Let's come before the Lord. Our Father, we thank you for our time together now that we're going to be hearing from your word. Father, would you open our ears and our hearts and our minds so that you can speak to us, Lord God. We know that when your word is spoken, you are speaking directly to us. And so we would ask that we would be humble, Lord God, that we would be open to hear through your Holy Spirit as you speak to us uh, from your word. We just pray for our brother, uh, Steve, as he comes now, Lord God, that uh, his words will be your words and not his own, Lord God, that he will humble himself before you and bring a message that you want for this day for these people in Jesus name we pray amen well good morning again and I'm so happy to be here Um, you guys are a real blessing to us and you've really blessed us today already by your prayers and I hope and it's been really encouraging to see your faces as you've seen the, the the work that God's been doing through the rice movement in Melbourne. I've just been really encouraged. Just, I just, one of my favourite moments today was looking at your faces as that news was coming out to you guys. Uh, I'm not sure if you even heard as well that um, within that last 30 months as well, another city, another country actually has asked for it to happen over there and so we're heading to Auckland as well this year because we don't have enough to do. We just want to get busy. So no, um, it's going to be happening, which is really, really exciting. Um, I'm really, really glad to be here today and particularly um, want to talk to you about the fact that I really believe... I hope you guys believe this too. I, I really believe that this is God's word. Anyone with me so far? Okay, good. Right, church? Good? Okay. I really believe that God's word, whenever it goes out, and whenever God's word goes out, according to his promise anyway, uh, it never returns from empty. Who believes that? Yeah. Anyone else believe that? Yeah. Because I really believe that when God's word goes out, when his word goes out, it comes back to him with fruit. It comes back to him, and that fruit is the fruit of changed lives. And I really believe that in a room like this, there are people here whose lives need to change. And sometimes you can even be going along to a church like this for ages. Uh, You know, I grew up in a Christian home. And you can go everywhere I go and speak, doesn't matter what city I'm in, or what church or type of church I'm in, there are always people that are coming along to church who've been just going through the motions, but for some reason, I don't know, in God's timing, on some day it clicks. And they go, you know what, the truth is, I've been going along and being in this space, but I've actually never understood the love of of God the Father. I've never actually turned around and started deciding to walk with Him. And so today, uh, that's my hope. I I mean, I could technically sit down now and just say the sermon's done, but I... I've given you my conclusion. That's where I'm going to end. I'm going to ask if it's you, you may have been coming along to church for ages or you may have been here for the first time or just starting to come back or thinking about where it's at. But today, what God wants you to do is to give your life to Him. That's where I'm going to end up. And so I'm hopeful for that. I'm going to pray to that effect that that happens because we're going to go to one of the most famous passages ever in Scripture. And uh, I want uh, God to make it fresh for us today. Shall we pray? God, I just pray that you would please speak to us from your word. I thank you so much that your word, when it goes out, it never returns to you empty. And so I ask, Father, that you would please change lives all over this room today. Wherever we are at, I pray that by the end of this day, we will be walking closer with you. I pray that your words will come out and you would take your words and by your spirit, you would press them home in our hearts exactly where we need to hear. And Father, we ask that you be with us and you change lives today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. How do you work out how much something is worth? How do you work out how much is the true value 
of something. Now, I, I'm, an, I'm an Asian is the theme of the day. Obviously, right? Today's the theme of the day is Asian. So we're going to go with it. One thing that Asians love, you've got to understand this, and Indians, right? Amen. Because he knows what I'm going to say, is we love a good bargain. We lo- Can I hear it from the Indian brother in the corner? Amen. You hear an amen? Does he love a good bargain? You love a good bargain, man, right? He likes a very good bargain. And Asians, we love a good bargain. I'm telling you, right? Any Asians in the house know what I'm talking about? You love a good cheap, yeah, there it is, right? Cheap bargain. Now, um, the truth is, right, we, and, and some people say that, um, you know, when you go to those kind of, um, uh, those, those markets uh, in, in like an Asian country, you know those ones? You, who, anyone visited like, I don't know, Thailand or some of that, Malaysia, and you go, and you, those markets, right? There are markets everywhere. And, 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 you know, you never pay the first price, ever. Let me tell you, if you paid the first price, I'll tell you what happened to you. You got ripped off, right? No, because, because people say that the only way to, some, some way to find the true value of something is when in bargaining is a really good thing because what it does is it narrows the buyer and seller right to that place where it's everyone's happy, maybe not so happy, some people, but you, know, you get there. Now, I remember the first time I ever had to do this and uh, it was the first time I went um, as an adult on an overseas trip by myself. And I was flying to my home country well, where my parents are born, which is Malaysia. And I, you know, it's a big deal, first trip, so you got everything ready, I've got the perfect backpack, all sorted, you know, everything, good Asian perfectionism, I've got it all perfectly sorted. And I was hopping off the plane, taking the carry-on luggage down off the top of the luggage thing, and as I took it down, the backpack strap broke. It was a big moment, bad moment, I've just arrived, man, I thought, man, this is no good. I need to get myself a backpack. And I'm going to, and I like that backpack, so what I did was I went straight for the Asian markets. Now, this is a big moment, right? Because I know that this is it's basically like proving my manhood about how I'm going to bargain today, right? This is, a, this is a big deal. So I had to turn up at this place, prove, prove that I'm a real true Asian. So I turned up to this market, and I know I had to bargain. And I pulled out, I had to pull up my best bargain. So I remember, forget it, I, I walked around, I walked in the market, and I saw all these shops that are pretty much selling the same thing. And you go, and you see this, and I saw the backpack. I was walking past, and I saw this beautiful blue backpack and I thought this Adidas backpack I, it's mine it's coming home with me that's the one I want so what the rules with bargaining are here let me give you some Asian tips ready, ready? Here's the first tip is you got to do this you got to walk up to the shop and when you see the thing you like it's very important you don't show that you like it you got to act very disinterested so I walked in I picked up the backpack and you have this moment where you pick it up and you kind of just do this Inside, I'm like, I'm taking this back home. But outside, I'm like, oh. and the guy in the shop, he's also looking disinterested. It's very important. He's there just kind of doing it. And every now and then, he'll just look at me. And every now and then, I'll just look at him. And we're kind of just doing this back and forth, right? And then he's just watching. No one breaks the first move. And so what you do is, the very next important step is, you take the backpack and you put it down. Right? I put the backpack down and you start to walk. It's very important. The walk's important. You've got to walk away. Walk away from that. I, I'm walking away from the bag as if I don't want that bag, but I'm taking that bag back home, right? So I walk away, and you start walking, and you kind of count to three. One, two, three. Okay, hey, hey, how much do you want to pay? How much do you want to pay? You can call it back, right? You call it back. And then you come back to the thing, and I'm, oh, I, said, oh, I, said, I said, look, how much is it? How much is this bag? And uh, that first moment when he stops, and he, he looks at you very carefully, trying to work out, is this guy a local? Or can I take him for a ride? And I'm putting my best Asian disguise on to see if I can get through, right? And, and he knows that, that something's up. He knows something's up. And um, he can smell that I'm a fake Asian. And he looks quietly at me and he says, 
okay. You want to know how much this bag is? He said, these other bags is cheap one, but this one. But for you today, just a special price only for you. Today, just for you, because I like you. Today, he says, uh, okay, he said, just take for $30. $30, take the $30. $30. And the very first thing I say, of course, is what? I say, $30. You go, the more indignant you look, right? Everyone say $30 looking as shocked as you can. Ready? One, two, three. Oh, that's right. No, $30. $30. I said, I can't. I'm not paying $30. And you, you put it down as if. He said, okay, okay, okay. How much do you want to pay? I said, for this bag, I said, I'll give you $15. He says, the same way. $15. The whole thing's a beautiful, good, dramatic game, right? $15, he says. Everyone say $15 and look at dramatic. But this time with an Asian accent. Ready? On the count three. Ready? And look shocked. Ready? One, two, three. Oh, $15. Right, $15. Are you joking? He said, $15. He said, I charge you $15. Tomorrow you come back. My whole shop is closed down. I said, $15. I said, are you joking? I said, he said, I said, he said, I said, look, okay, look. I said, how much do you want then? He says, okay. Okay, today only. He said, first of all, let me ask you, where are you from? Oh, dangerous question. I'll be honest, because I'm a Christian. So I said, I'm from Australia. Oh, I like Australia very much. Because you're from Australia, I'll give you today $25. I said, $25? And I remember, one of my favorite moments was I picked up the bag and I looked closely again at the, at the label. I said, you want to charge me $25 for this bag? I said, it doesn't even say Adidas, it says Adidas. There's a spelling mistake. And I, my favorite, it doesn't say Adidas, it says Adidas. He says, he looks as if he's never seen it before. He goes, oh, he says, Adidas, Adidas. What's the problem? Same, same, but different. And I said, I said okay, fine. I said, look, no, no, I'll give you $20. $20 for this bag. He says, he says I, I can't charge you $20. $20, my wife will kill me. I said, I said, okay, how much do you want? And the final price, I said to him, look, look he, this is it. I said, I'm going to give you $22.50. At the end of $22.50, I'm going to walk away from my fake Adidas bag and I'll go to another shop. And he said, oh, this, this is the best moment. I said, $22.50, and you know you're getting close when it pauses and he sighs. Right, he goes, $22.50. I said, $22.50, he goes, He said, okay, I asked my wife. And then he goes out the back of the shop and starts yelling out in Chinese. I don't understand what he's saying, right? I can't speak Chinese. I'm a fake Asian, right? I don't think his wife was even in there. But he comes back and he says, okay, $22.50. So I got my Adidas back for $22.50. Now some people say, that is exactly how much it was worth. Some people say, that's how you work out what is the true value of something. But how would you work out how much a person is valued? That's hard, isn't it? I mean, it's fine to put a price on an object, but how would you work out how much you are worth? Or how much the person next to you is worth? How we, I mean, we, we don't put a dollar sign on people, do we? Well, actually, um, it was interesting when I was writing this talk uh, on, in the newspaper that, that morning, uh, it said uh, an article about Bill Gates. I was like, I was just thinking, we don't ever talk about people about by how much they're worth. And it's, the heading was Bill Gates' worth. <laughs> right? And do you want to know how much he's worth? Check this out. <clears throat> the article said, uh, giving his investments and everything, that Bill Gates' net worth is... 
$79.3 billion. Amazing. And then the article broke it down and said that uh, if you want to work out what he earns then per year, Bill Gates brings in 12, I can't even believe this, $12 billion per year. Um, and if you break it down, you want to, I'm, I'm, I'm Asian, so we've got to like math, right? So here we go. Right, break it down. Per day, you want his daily rate, right? Daily rate, you want to break it down. Any math guys in the house? Ready? $12 billion a year. Per day, $33.3 million. Per day. Break it down, ready? How about an hourly rate? How's, your, how's his hourly rate? Go, ready? Break it down. $1.38 million per hour. $350 per second. Per second. So just imagine, right? Imagine if it takes, like imagine if I'm going for a, I'm walking and like, for example, I'm going like this and something drops out of my pocket. So imagine I'm walking, something drops out of my pocket and takes like, like say four seconds. One, I realize it, two, three, four, to pick it up. Imagine Bill Gates is going for a walk and he drops, he's walking and he drops a thousand dollars out of his pocket, right? There's no point in him stopping. He'd earn more to keep walking, right? This guy, right? There's just no, there's no point. It's like, I'm, you know, it just, it's just crazy, right? This guy lives on another whole planet when it comes to how much he's worth. But we never value people like that, do we? Or do we? Because the truth is, for some reason, and the reason is actually called sin, uh, which is the way of, of looking at people and the way that God doesn't look at people, we look at people and we value people, maybe not necessarily in money, but we think about where they're worth. We already look at them and we think, are they better? Are they worse? Are they kind of the people that we like or not? Or we do it via social media. Looking at the wrong... Do it via social media. And, and, and we do that kind of thing. We decide, you know, how do I rank these guys? How do I rate these people? The truth is, God values people very differently. And today... I really believe that God wants to speak to each of you. And I don't care how long you've been to going to a church or not. But today, it, the question on the table is how much, how valuable are you, are, are you to God? And we're going to go to one of the most famous stories in the whole of Scripture. Some people say that this story is so famous that outside of the crucifixion of Jesus, apparently so they say, that this is the most well-known passage uh, to someone who's not from the faith. You go out the street, people say, yeah, Jesus died, maybe a story about that, and, th- and this story. It's a story that begins like this from Luke chapter 15. It says, There was a man who had two sons. And uh, that's how the story begins. The man has two sons. And the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the inheritance. So he divided his property between them. I want to stop there and just help you understand this. Can you imagine what it would be like? This, this, we read this like we just read a story. But can you imagine, just, are you shocked by this? The younger son goes to the father and says, you know what? You know that money that's been waiting for us to come? You know, the one when you die? I can't wait. Can I just get it now? I mean, can you imagine, just imagine going to your parents and saying that? You know that inheritance? If you don't mind... What you're doing is, if you did that, what, which is what the son done, has done to the father, you're essentially saying, I wish you were dead. Essentially, the son is looking at the father like a walking money bag, not a relationship. He's saying, this is, I just want the stuff. And we kind of think, this is ridiculous. And right now in the story, we, it's fascinating. This story is so um, amazing. It really makes you put yourself in the shoes of kind of um, the kind of people that, that Jesus is speaking against, kind of Pharisees, kind of looking there going, man, this son, Unbelievable. How would you do that? Until we stop and think, you know what? The truth is, how many of us 
have at any times or even now treated God in a way where we're willing to take the benefits of God but not have the relationship? How many of us are willing to take the things that God is willing to give us, the stuff that we get, the stuff that we like, but as long as he doesn't put any restrictions over our lives, as long as it doesn't mean that we then have to live like this and have to live like that. How many of us are are willing to say, God, I'm happy to breathe your air, it's his, I'm happy to drink your water, but don't tell me what to do with my life. And the truth is that all of us have this picture, this picture of sin, of rejecting God, of of, of treating him in a way uh, that is other than him being king. And so what's going on is because God, uh, the Father represents God, of course, and, and you see the story continues on. And what happens is that the, the Father then, in, in also, which is maybe equally shocking, divides his property between the sons. And so he gives the inheritance to the son. And so what does the son do? The son then in verse 13 Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and he sets off for a distant country. And there he takes this newfound wealth and he goes to party. And he squanders that party, uh, that that wealth on parties, on prostitutes, uh, on wild living. And after he'd spent everything, so he didn't even save any of it. Can you believe he didn't save anything? This guy wasn't Asian for sure, right? Unbelievable. He didn't save a thing. He spent every single bit of that and he's been holding and then what happens? He gets that and he ends up in a really, really horrendous place because the, um, the, the, the distant country, the famine hits. Uh, and after he spent everything, it was a severe famine and he began to be in need. And so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs and he longed to fill his stomach with the pog- pods that the pigs were eating but no one gave him anything. You want a picture of rock bottom? I'm going to tell you straight up. I'm not going to, I don't have long, so I'm just going to tell you straight up. I'm not going to pat it out. Ready? Every time we take a step away from God, every time we move away from God's way of living, every time we treat Him in a way that sort of says, take the benefits like a big cosmic Santa Claus and forget the relationship and the way that He wants us to run our life, every time that leads to consequences, negative ones. And this boy, as, if they want a picture of consequences, I'll tell you this. How about this? This guy's a Jewish boy. Right? And if you want to pick a picture, you guys know Jewish people don't even um, talk about pigs, let alone eat pigs, right? Or be definitely going to near pigs. But for a Jewish boy to not only be near pigs, but working with pigs, but looking at the pigs, saying, I wish I was a pig, right? I wish I could eat that. I wish I could be these pigs. That's the picture of rock bottom in this story. And that's where walking away from God takes us. You know, um, he then stays in that situation until he, he's obviously in starvation. And he finally comes to his senses. And he says, I can't believe this. Not only the pigs have something to eat, but how many of my father's servants have something to eat, uh, have, have more than me right now? And so he comes to his senses and decides to come home. But let me just tell you this. There's a thing that I've never really understood. <clears throat> and I don't know, who, who's heard this story from maybe even a young age? Young age? Right. The thing I've heard it from a young age so many times. The other thing that I just don't, I cannot even believe, why did it take so long for him to come home? Why did he get to the point when he's basically like, oh, I'm going to die? Why did it get to that point before he decides to come home? And actually, as I've done a bit of research into it, I'm interested in the history um, around that time, cultural history around that time. You'll find out that there's actually um, a really interesting tradition, uh, a, a, a Jewish tradition that happened 
uh, and it's not a heaps nice tradition, but it would happen that it was a, a, a rule, a law that was designed to stop um, property leaving the Jewish village system, you following me so far, and going to Gentiles, people who are non-Jews. And um, what would happen is that they'd have this tradition called kezezar. It's a bit of a tongue twister word. Everyone say kezezar really fast. Ready? One, two, three. Kezezar. Right? That's right. So um, kezezar. And what happens is um, they, would, they would have this ceremony. It's it not fun. And in order to stop people taking the property and spending it elsewhere, what would happen is they would have this rule that if anyone took any property from that village and lost it to non-Jewish people, what would happen is and they tried to return back home to that village. Everyone knew that this law would happen, where if, if, the, if they came towards the village or tried to get back in relationship, the elders and whatnot of the village would come towards that person and they'd carry these big clay pots. Sometimes it'd be filled with burnt corn. And they'd take these clay pots and perform this kezazar ceremony, where as that person comes up in a really public, embarrassing kind of way, in a place that doesn't like public stuff, uh, wants to kick face, they would take this thing and they would smash the pots on the ground in front of them. And they would yell out, Kezazar, which means cut off. Which means cut off. Which means saying, just like this pot is broken to pieces, you've broken your relationship with us, you're done. Go. Just like this corn is burnt, you've burnt your bridges off, we're done. Don't even talk to us, you're out. You're basically not family anymore. And this boy was stuck. He was stuck between death and rejection. There was nowhere to go. There was nowhere he could move. And that, my friends, may be how sometimes you feel. You may not realize the reason, but my suggestion is to you today is this, that if you have left God out of the picture, what you do is you get yourself to a place where you are actually stuck and you're trapped and what we need to see is that this is a picture of where we're at. This boy had no chance of coming home. He knew that all that was waiting for him at home, if he was to leave the pigs, was Kezezar. Except, except he hadn't counted on an old, broken-hearted man who every day this man would stand at the same spot, looking at the horizon, hoping against hope that maybe this might be the day that his boy might return home. Every day, can you imagine, this old man would get up and he'd look at the horizon. And this day, the old man, he gets up and he looks at that same spot expecting to see the same emptiness, the same hopelessness. And he looks up at that spot and boy, I tell you, preaching this as a father now, I'm telling you, this is, I mean, I, this is one of my first talks I ever did when I was, I think I was 17 years old at youth group. I think I understand it a bit better now. Because for this dad to get up and look, expecting to see that same emptiness, and that day he looks and he sees a shadow on the horizon. And he looks carefully as that shadow limps towards him and he thinks, I know that shadow. I know that walk. That's my boy. And it takes him an instant 
The moment he knows it's his boy, he doesn't care about anything else. He runs. He runs to this boy. Nothing can stop him. And one of the most extraordinary verses I believe, and this is a big statement, I think in the Bible, one of the most extraordinary verses in the whole Bible is this. In Luke chapter 15, verse 20, it says this. After the boy is coming back and going back to his father, I love it. But while he was still a long way off, everyone say, still a long way off, go. That's right. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. Isn't that the best picture ever? The father runs to the boy. The father runs out and he kisses him and he kisses him. I mean, you've got to understand. I mean, why do you think the father runs, by the way? Well, the father knows that all that's waiting for his son is Kezezar. He's not going to get the villagers get to him first. Their villagers are not getting to that boy first, not in his watch, not in this day. The father runs to that boy and he says, I'm getting to him first. And I'll tell you what else. In Middle Eastern culture, as you, uh, you, you may or may not know, similar to Asian culture, I guess, uh, is that um, old people don't run. It's just not a thing you do. It's a, it's a disrespectful thing, actually. I'm not sure. Indian culture? Sure, sure. Sure, I can imagine. Although Shabu, when he's an old guy, I can imagine him. He'll be, he'll be running around but you know um, actually if you want to know in Middle Eastern culture it's so full on and as you guys know we've just come we've come back from Iraq and we've seen all sorts of stuff and um, I read a, um, an article it's pretty intense of a pastor who's actually just got sacked by his elders it was a big deal already everyone was like what happened right do you know why he's been removed from office by his elders because he was caught walking down the street too fast because it's a cultural thing. It's a mark of disrespect. And I, I remember preaching this recently at another, a, a, a church and a Middle Eastern person came straight up, straight up to me. They've just moved here. And they said, oh, I'm so glad. No one knows about that. I said, what do you mean? I said, you know, in, in our culture, it's true. If anyone's running, it's seen as... I'm like, what, what does it mean? Well, if you run down the street, people think, he's up to something. And I'm like, really? And so it's a disrespectful thing. And old men don't do that. And so what happens is this. This man, he does not care. It's a mark of disrespect in this Middle Eastern culture. This man runs. The other thing you never do is show your legs. And if that age, he would have had to have these long guns to pick them up and he would have run. He does not care about the shame. He runs and he runs and he runs. And do you want to know how fast he runs, by the way? I'm telling you. The word there in the Greek for, for run is not just like a little trot. I'll tell you what it is. I looked it up in the Greek dictionary thing. What's that thing called again? The Greek dictionary thing. There it is. Thank you. The technical term, Greek dictionary. There it is. And, and in that Greek dictionary thing, what is that called? Lection, le- that thing. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm now distracted. What am I talking about? The, what am I talking about right now? The, the Greek dictionary. The word. The word for run, you won't believe it. The word for run is actually a definition that says it's actually more like a reflex sprint. And it has a description of how it might be used. It said it's the kind of word that is used to describe the speed you would move if you were in your house when a robber came into the house and you saw the robber. That's how, I mean, like, you know, can you imagine you're in the home and a robber comes in? You won't be like, hey, how you doing? Thank you. Like, yeah, you, you move that quick, right? That fast. And that's the kind of word. The father runs to his boy with that kind of speed. It's like he sees his boy. He has that much love. He has that much compassion and nothing can keep away from him. I mean, I remember another time when I was much older in Malaysia and I was out there with my family at this point and, um, I, I never forget this moment when we had the fourth kids and uh, the two boys could swim 
and they're on the hotel pool and we're sitting on the side, Naomi and I on the side and um, there was uh, our youngest, that was newborn and so Naomi was um, <coughs> breastfeeding, I think, next to me and I was supposed to be watching the kids. I think I might have been on Instagram but I don't tell her that. Oh, she's there. Okay. And the third daughter, um, Caitlin, she actually um, couldn't swim but she thought she could. And there was this moment, right, I'm telling you, where Katie jumped in the water and she started to, a little bit, not, not terrible, she just jumped in and started to go under. And I'm telling you, I was sitting there on my phone <laughs> and Naomi was otherwise occupied next to me. And she just had to say, it was just the tone in her voice. Husbands, you know that tone, right? I'm th- if your wife uses a tone, there's a tone, right? You know there's tones and there's a tone. All the husbands right now are like, they're all having anxiety, right? Don't use that thing, they can feel it, right? You know the one that she used to tell you to wash the dishes last? No, a different one, right? No, right? That tone, when you move quick, you know it's not even negotiation. I'm telling you, Kate, Na- Naomi only had to say two words. She just said, Steve, Caitlin. And I'm telling you, like you just, right? I'll tell you what I didn't do, right? I didn't sort of go, yeah, well, just wait. I'm just going to finish my Instagram post. I didn't say, let me just test the water, see if it's okay. I didn't, I'll tell you what I did. What do you think I did? I jumped. I saw him go, I just jumped. I mean, I'm telling you, I, Michael Phelps had nothing on me. I was the new Asian Michael Phelps. I was able, I'm telling you, yeah, she was okay and she was safe, but I'm telling you, that is the kind of speed. That's because I love her. And that is the kind of speed that the father runs to the son. That is the kind of thing that he does. Nothing can keep him away. You know, and there's a twist of the story, some of you know from verse 22, where there's this older son. And the older son um, is out in the fields and he hears all this partying because the father comes back. Father has thrown a party for this boy. Can you believe that? And not only this thrown a, fa- a, a party, by the way, he puts a ring on his finger which says, says, you are my son. You know, puts a robe on saying, you're not a slave. And he'll put sandals on his feet. I mean, slaves are for sons. Uh, no, no sandals for slaves. You know, I mean, so sandals are for, what am I saying? Sand. He makes a lot of the pack of the boys coming home. And, and it's a big deal. And they have a huge party, huge party. And the older boy's out in the field and he hears this party and he talks to the servant and says, hey, what's going on? There's a party happening up there. What's happening? And the servant says to the, the, to the, the older son, you haven't heard? Heard what? I've heard the party. Heard what? He said, remember your brother? And the older brother's like, yeah. I remember that guy. The one who took all our money and ran. Yep. Guess what? He's come home. He's come home. Yep. And guess what? Your dad's thrown a party. It's a huge one. He's killed the fattened calf, which is like, that's like a big Chinese banquet, right? It's a big deal. I mean, this is not like he's just had a, you know, ordered a couple of pizza and a garlic bread. Like, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. He's like, what? Are you kidding me? And the father comes out. Unbelievable. The father then comes out of the party. The host of the party comes out and says, everything I have is yours. Why? Can you come and celebrate? But the, the son refuses. You see, the truth is this. So many of us are actually maybe like that older son. Maybe some of us are what I would call close but far. That is, you, it's kind of the people I was talking about at the start of the sermon before I began. I was saying that there are some people here who are close, who kind of like are 
connected in or, or hanging around Christian people, but maybe you know that you're getting good at playing the game, about going through the motions, or maybe you know that inside there is a coldness to your heart when outside people wouldn't even know. There's a coldness in your relationship with God. If that's you, I'll tell you what you can do. You can come home now. Maybe you've walked away from the faith. Maybe right now you know you are walking away from God. You're not walking towards Him. You're walking away from God. And you know that you have been taking slow, small step, small step. And after a while, you've kind of been in step, 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 and step. And then suddenly you realize, you look back and go, man, I'm pretty far away. If that's you, I'll tell you what you can do today. You can come home now. Or maybe you're like the younger son. Maybe you're dealing with some sin. Maybe you're dealing with stuff in your life that you are really glad that the person next to you does not know. Maybe you're a, a compulsive liar. Maybe you're sleeping around. Maybe you're doing things that you, you shouldn't do. You're having thoughts that you shouldn't have. Maybe those are things that you are entertaining. And I'll tell you what you can do. You can drop them. You can turn around and I'll tell you what you can do by the work of the Spirit. You can come home now. You can come home now. You see, you want to know how much you're worth? That's how we began. I'll tell you how much you're worth. Ready? Listen very carefully. You know how much you are worth by how much someone is willing to give up for you. You know how much you are worth by how much someone is willing to give up to you for you. Do you know how much the father gave up? The father ran. You know the father ran. You know the father ran out twice. He ran out to the younger son and he left the party and he ran out again to the older son. I mean, this is crazy. This isn't the parable of the prodigal son. This is the parable of the running father. He just keeps running out. He keeps running out. He keeps coming out. He keeps doing that. Why does he do that? He does that because of love. He gives up his dignity. And do you want to know how much you're worth? You know how much you're worth by how much someone is willing to give up for you and how much is the father willing to give up? I'll tell you how much he gave up. He gave up his son. He gave up his son. His name is Jesus. And I'll tell you what he's done. Jesus, he took the cross for you he went to his death for you. And in that moment on the cross, when you see Jesus on the cross, you see the Father's arms outstretched wide, running to you, to you, and to you. There is Jesus on the cross, his humiliation. It should have been us humiliated. But he's the one who's derobed so that we can be put on a robe of righteousness. It should have been us who've been broken like a clay pot. But Jesus is the one who's beaten. It should have been us who have been cut off, right? It should have been us who have been cut off from the Father. Us who have been cut off from God. It should have been us who have been kezezad. But on the cross, Jesus is kezezad. On the cross, Jesus, that's the definition, that's why he says on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you cut me off? There is Jesus, he's doing that. And why does he do that? I just wish I could go up to each of you and grab you by the shoulders and say to you, this it's because He loves you. He's given His Son for you because He loves you that much, because he th you are that worth, worth it for Him. You see, let me tell you what kind of love He's got. You know, um, one of the, my, uh, I'm not sure if any of you have, any, have kids who watch the channel ABC for Kids. Anyone know that? So, any parents know shows on ABC for Kids? Now, um, if you don't watch ABC for Kids, you won't know this show that my daughter for a while was totally addicted to. Um, and uh, it's a show called Octonauts. Who knows what Octonauts are? But, 
right? If you don't know who Octonaut, you're not missing that much. It's just furry animals under the sea, <coughs> right? And my, my daughter, she's great. She's got a real way with words, my, my elder daughter, Caitlin. And I remember the time that she, she knows how, you know, she says, she knows how to, she knows how to work me, you know? Like, you know how it works. She knows how to get in my head. I'm kind of easy. Name is like, everyone can get aired. But like, I just, she can really use her words to get her way. And um, there was a time when I started realizing this. And I remember we were driving in the car. And um, she was in the car. And I'll never forget what she said. I actually wrote it down straight away. She, she, she'd, she'd realized that you can watch Octonauts on, it was the time when she realized you could watch Octonauts streamed whenever you want on my phone. Right? She's like, you don't just have to wait for that time on TV. You can just press a button and Octonauts nonstop. And, um, you know, Naomi's pretty strict, you know, with screen time. Good, strict Asian mum. And um, I never forget what she said. I hear this little voice in the back and she says, Daddy? And I say, yes. And she says, I love you. And it was just, I mean, now you've got to understand, as a dad, right, when your daughter says I love you, like, you, you, you win, right? You just tell me, what did you say? Tell me again. You know, like, I just, dad of the year, you know, like, just keep telling me, right? She said, I, and, you know, and I just, I was just, I was thrilled. I'm driving, and I just said, that's a nice thing to say, Katie. And then I hear this voice, she says, Daddy? And I said, yes. And she says, do you know why I love you? And I said, why, Katie? And she said, because you let me use your phone to watch Octonauts. <laughs> and I thought it was the end there, but then I hear this. She says, Daddy? I said, yes. And she says, do you know how much I love you? And I'm like, I said, how much do you love me? And she said, I love you even when I'm angry with you. And I said, huh? I said, what makes you angry with me? And she said, when you don't give me your phone to watch Octonauts. <laughs> and then I hear this one more time. I hear her say, Daddy? And I said, yes. And she said, can I use your phone? <laughs> Let me tell you, God's love is not like that. <laughs> it's not manipulative. It's not taking for a ride. It's not some speaker who's trying to woo you with some nice words. I'm telling you this. God's love is pure. He loves you. He would do anything for you. Most of all, he's given you his son. And if you today are walking away from him, if you are in any way taking a step away from God, I tell you what God wants you to do. He doesn't want you to be tickled in your mind by a nice sermon or a nice talk. He wants a life change. He wants to see your life turn around. He wants you to recommit your life and he wants you to move towards him. You know, there's an interesting line there that Katie said, I love you even when I'm angry with you. And you may not want to know where that comes from because you see, out of my kids, they're all a bit different. My, some of my kids, you know, who remain nameless, when they, when they get grumpy, you know, so when, they get, when they get in trouble, sorry, when, they get, when I'm grumpy with them and they get in trouble, they kind of just like, you know, take the, oh, yeah, 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 take it on, you know, just whatever. That doesn't affect them hugely. But um, Caitlin, I'm not sure if any of you guys were like this as kids, you know, anyone here just, when you're young, just hated getting in trouble, you know, like you just tear up straight away you know Caitlin is like that and the, the mate, there was a time when um, like I, I remember like she, she'll just be so emotional like the day when I once when she was young found her and I went into the room and I caught her she, she, she was about she was writing on the wall and she was still holding the crayon and I walked in and there was this moment I looked at her she looked at me and she started crying I haven't even said anything yet. I haven't even, I haven't even said anything. And all I need to do is say, Caitlin. 
I haven't said anything. And the moment I say that, it's just like, it doesn't even matter. I have to like, hang on, hang on, I haven't done the getting in trouble bit yet. I've just said your name. And so what I have to do with her is a bit different. I have to kind of get down on my knees, which I do. And before I start getting her in, in trouble, which, and, uh, I, I put my arms on her shoulders. I look in her eyes and say, Katie, do you know that daddy still loves you when I'm angry with you? And she looks at me just like, Yes, 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 you know, right? And, and right now, all of you are siding with the cute girl, aren't you, right? She's in trouble. She's drawn the wall, right? Now, 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 and, 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 and then I'll still get her in trouble. But, but the thing is this, you know, do we, does, does God have the right to be angry at our sin? Yes? Does God have the right to be angry at the fact that we've all rejected him? Absolutely. But I wish I could go around to each of you and tell you this, that does God love, does God still love you even when he's angry with you? Yes, his love prevails. His love goes more. His love continues to do that even when he's angry. And he does that. And he does that because the Father runs out to us. He loves us in a phrase, a beautiful phrase I remember Naomi saying once. He loves us more than we dare to believe. Have you think you've worked out how much God loves you? Do you think you've got that? Have you got it in your head? I tell you what, ready? You've got the picture? How much does he love you? You've got a number? You've got a value? Ready? More than that. More than that, because we can't even comprehend it. He loves us that much. And I want to say to you this morning that you can run. You can run, you can run. But the Father will never stop loving you. And today, no matter where you're at, you need to turn around and you need to come home. That's the offer today. It's come home. As I finish, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to read you a story that I found that my, my mum used to read to me when I was going to sleep. And it was this book called um, True Stories That Really Did Happen, which is a weird title for now I think about it. Um, uh, true Stories. And there were all these true story collections. Um, and she'd read them. What she didn't know was that after she'd turn off the lights, my pillow would often be damp with tears, you know, could one, with one story particularly. And I found it, this book, recently in my parents' house. And um, I thought I might read it to you guys as I finish up. And I'll get the musicians to come up. So what I'll do is I'll get everyone now to just close their eyes, ready? And I'll read you the whole story, ready? It's going to take about one and a half minutes. And then just imagine you're getting tucked into bed. That, actually, that's a bit weird. But um, just close your eyes and I'll read you this story. And, um, and then we'll bring it home. Here it is. All right, just um, close your eyes now. I'm just gonna say this. Uh, here's the true story. A man was sitting on the pavement beside the bus stop. He was unshaven, his shoes were old and worn, his shoulders were slumped, and he looked like what he was, a homeless tramp, a homeless man who'd spent the last night sleeping under a railway arch. He sat there oblivious to people's disapproving stares and thought back 20 years to when he lived in the little red brick house just around the corner. He wasn't even sure if the house would still be there. Maybe they'd bulldozed it years ago. He remembers riding his bike up the path of the house to the front door. He remembers the Bougainvillea climbing up the walls. That was 20 years ago. Ten years later, the bike had become a motorcycle. And he got in with the wrong crowd. The pub had become more of a home than his red brick house. And the debts had piled up. And the day he'd gone home, meaning to ask his parents for a loan, and the house had been empty. And he knew exactly where dad kept the money. And he just helped himself. That was the last time he'd seen them. He hadn't wanted to go home after that, and they'd lost track of him. They knew nothing of his years of wandering or the prison sentence, but locked up in the cell, he often thought about them. 
Once, if he was free, he'd love to see them again, if they were still alive, and always supposing, of course, that they want to see him. Since then, he found a job, but something kept drawing him back home. Often, it was just seeing another red brick house, or a kid on a bicycle, or a bougainvillea plant. And so he began the long journey, walking or hitching a ride, and then, about 20 miles from home, he had second thoughts. What right did he to do this? To just walk in the house? Could they ever reconcile this haggard man that he'd become with the boy that they'd loved who'd so bitterly disappointed them? He sat by the street and thought. He thought about the short letter that he'd posted just a couple of days before. And he just said, If you want me home, hang a white handkerchief on the window of my old bedroom. And if it's there, I'll come. If not, I'll wave goodbye to the old house and go on my way. Well, he couldn't put it off any longer. He got up and he stiffly and shivering shuffled down the street towards the old house. The sun was shining on the little red house. Except it wasn't a red house. Because every wall was covered with white. Every window was hung with white sheets, with white pillowcases, white towels, tablecloths, white handkerchiefs, napkins, and white curtains ran right across the roof. It looked like a snow house. His parents were taking no risks. And across the top was a huge welcome home banner. The man threw back his head and breathed a sigh of relief and ran up the street straight into the open front door. You can open your eyes. You know, today, that's the kind of door that's waiting open for you. It doesn't matter. There's no shame in the fact that you've been hanging around here and doing whatever. And The truth is God wants you home. That's the most important thing on the agenda today. So why are you staying with the pigs? You know, get up and you come towards the Lord because He's waiting for you, His love and His outstretched arms because He's a good, good Father. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask whether anyone wants to respond right now. It's a big moment. If you know that God's tapping your heart right now, and He wants you to turn around and walk back to Him and give your life to Him, then I know that that's the most important thing you need to do today. That's the reason why you came. That's the reason why God brought you, actually. So could you please all bow your heads and close your eyes? I'm going to lead a prayer for some people now. If you want to give your life to God and you've decided that you need to come home to Him, if that's you today, I'd like you to please, just um, so only I and Shabu and can see that. Um, I'd like you to raise your hand so I know who I'm praying with. Can I just see some hands so I know who I'm praying with today? If that's you today and you need to be welcomed home, you need to go back to him. Let's see some hands. That'd be great. If that's you. It's great. Just keep your hand up. That's great. If you want to put your hand up and I'll lead you in a prayer that will simply say sorry to God and thank you for loving me and asking him to please welcome you home. Awesome, let's pray. Dear God, I'm sorry for living life my own way. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Please help me to come into your please come into my life and help me to follow you from now on. Amen. I'll keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. And if there's anyone here who today um, would call themselves a Christian but knows that they're walking away from God and have got stuff in their life that they are hiding from Him and uh, want to deal with some sin perhaps, things that you know you need to recommit, you need to turn around and you want to say from this day, I just don't want to do that anymore. I want to stay, I want to recommit my life and I want to walk towards um, God and the Father. 
uh, God the Father. So um, if that's you, would you raise your hand so I can pray with you and lead you in a prayer of recommitment if that's you? Yep, I can see you at the back there. It's awesome. Anyone else? Hands up, please. Everyone else, please. Yep, gotcha. Got your hand up the back there too. Anyone else? Good, good. Keep your heads about eyes closed. And anyone else who wants me to lead them and pray over these guys, pray over, pray over you, who wants to walk towards God today and recommit their life? Awesome. Still a bit of time. Anyone else who wants to do that today? Awesome. For those of you guys who've got your hands up, I'm just going to pray over you right now. Father, I pray that you would please work in these guys' hearts. These guys who've got their hands up, maybe their hands up in their heart today, who know that today they want to walk back towards you, the good, good Father. I pray, Lord God, that you would please change their lives and you would work by your spirit and they will walk in your ways. You can put your hands down now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God for the work he's done in, in people's lives today. And um, we can thank God for that. Why not? You know? And uh, I just hope that you will continue to walk towards him because he's a good, good father. Why don't we stand and sing about the goodness of God the Father? Let's do it. Lord Jesus, we thank you for who you are and what you've done. We thank you for the way that you've been working this morning. We pray for those of us who uh, are still um, processing this, that you would stir our hearts to keep asking questions. For those of us who have stepped out in faith this morning, that you would guard and produce fruit for your glory. And for those uh, who are being challenged even now as we speak and pray, Help us not to walk away this afternoon without asking more questions. For those of us who know you, grant us the grace to rest in this wonderful truth because of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. Steve and the crew are going to be around. Um, If you're someone who... um, have more questions, interested, please obviously come and chat to Steve or chat to myself or even anyone who calls Canterbury home, they should be able to tell you who Jesus is and why they believe in Jesus. So please have those conversations too. God bless.